Hi, this is a look behind and rewind, and I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. If you listened to radio like I did back in the 1960s, you're probably aware of a groundbreaking, record-shattering movement that changed everything in the music business back then. It was unlike anything that had ever happened before. The songs in the top 40 changed dramatically, practically overnight. And it all began with a group of unknown, mop-headed musicians who took the country by storm with their fresh new sound. The group I'm referring to? The Beatles, of course. John, Paul, George, and Ringo became instant celebrities, creating an impact in American society that reached far and wide, even down to my sixth grade class in elementary school. And here's how it all began. You're probably aware of the mass hysteria that the Beatles' first American visit caused. The screams of teenage girls echoed everywhere. When the Beatles made their debut on The Ed Sullivan Show, you could barely hear the music above all the screaming in the audience. And that excitement never died down. I recall going to see their first movie, A Hard Day's Night, in a local movie theater only a year or two later. And the same thing happened. The screams were so loud and so constant that I literally could not hear any of the dialogue or any of the music for that matter. Well, teenage girls weren't the only ones caught up in Beatlemania. There were also a couple of us pre-teen boys that caught the fever. The scene was public school number four. Today's generation would call it a grade school or elementary school. We just called it school number four. It was one of those old three-story red brick buildings that was probably part of a nationwide building boom designed to warehouse this giant new baby boom generation that came out of nowhere. Well, behind the school, there was an iron staircase that led from the gymnasium down to the schoolyard. And underneath this open-air staircase, perfectly situated and shielded from prying eyes, was a little space with unusual acoustics that my friends and I discovered one day. We were relatively naive sixth graders, chatting about this new revolution in music started by the Beatles. And so the four of us wondered, if John, Paul, George, and Ringo could do it, why not us? So we figured we'd start a group of our own, and we'd perform right there, under the gymnasium stairs. One of these friends claimed that a cousin of his was connected somehow to the Four Seasons. Now, whether he meant the famous Four Seasons Bowling Alley in nearby Union, New Jersey, or the Four Seasons Singing Group, that was never fully determined. But regardless, we figured that was qualification enough to be part of our new group. The rest of us didn't have any similar credentials, at least not that I knew of at that time, but we forged ahead anyway. So we started practicing, right there under the stairs. I wish I could say that we tried warming up first, if we had, it probably would have sounded something like this. <laughs> but sad to say, we just plunged right into the music. The only thing that might have made it even more picturesque would have been me conducting the four of us with a toilet plunger. <laughs> yes, it was that bad. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. Although I have to admit, every once in a while we somehow mysteriously managed to arrive at a brief, fleeting moment of harmony. Even at that young age, I could hear the music notes blending together 
complementing each other and creating a new magical sound unlike any other. But as I said, it usually only lasted for a moment or so. It was enough, however, to make us all sit up and take notice, and to gain some encouragement and inspiration from the experience. Once we started practicing, some other interesting developments occurred. One of these involved a debate over the proper words to the song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Due to all the screaming of those teenage girls, coupled with the sometimes odd sound of the Beatles' cockney accents, a few of the words were a little hard to understand, even after we played the records over and over again to try to copy down all the words. Anyway, speaking of records, I should back up just a bit and tell you about my other experience buying my very first 45 RPM record. This was supposed to be a big, important development in my life as a devoted connoisseur of popular music. So I prevailed on my parents to drive me all the way out to the shopping center in Paramus, New Jersey, an enormous 45 minutes away from my hometown to buy my first records. It seemed like a journey across time and space, sort of like being one of the first passengers on the Queen Elizabeth ocean liner. It was truly a momentous undertaking. When I walked into the record shop, it was like being a kid in a candy store. So many records, so much to choose from, so little time. And I was so flustered, I couldn't even remember the names of the songs I wanted to buy. Luckily, however, I pulled out a crumpled piece of paper from my pocket, where I'd earlier had the foresight to jot down one or two words to remind me. So we went home that day with two records. One a more traditional American-made hit, a Beach Boys-style song by the Rip Chords called Hey Little Cobra. This wasn't totally my choice. One of my friends was really into cars, and that song really spoke to his inner soul. But I liked the sound, too, so I bought it just to keep up with my small in-crowd. And the other record, of course, was a Beatles hit. Do you want to know a secret? Now, you may be wondering, why in the world did I persuade my parents to drive me nearly an hour away to purchase these two records, especially when there was a very small record shop in my own hometown? Well, to me, this was such a giant rite of passage, a coming of age in a new world of popular music, that no ordinary hometown music store would do. I simply had to make the journey and travel light years away to the famous shopping center capital of our state, Paramus, New Jersey. All the way home, my parents were probably thinking to themselves, why did we ever agree to let them buy those two records? It's bad enough hearing them over and over again on the radio when he turns up the volume to maximum. Why couldn't he like Glenn Miller or Patty Page or Guy Lombardo? Well, that was their opinion. But I knew in my heart that I was now tuned in to the new music. The music of the age. The revolutionary new sounds of the British invasion. Well, when we got home, I ran directly to my bedroom. The two 45 RPM records clutched tightly in my hot little hands. I set up the record player, inserted one of those bright plastic doohickeys, you know, the spindle adapter that made it possible to play 45s, and placed my first record on the turntable. In eager anticipation, I turned on the power and lowered the needle carefully onto the record. After a slightly scratchy start, 
the music started. You'll never know how much I really love you. You'll never know how much I really care. Listen, do you want to know a secret? Do you want to know a secret? Do you want to oh, know no. a secret? This can't be. No, tell me it isn't so. Even sticking a couple of pennies on the record player arm didn't solve the problem. It still skipped like the Dickens. So he'd gone all the way to Paramus and came home with a bum record. And I sure I couldn't convince my parents now to make a second trip just to return the damaged goods. It was my own dumb fault. So now I had to live with it. Well, this might be a good time to go back to that other story, the tale of singing under the stairs. That venture didn't quite work out either. None of us played guitar, and we could never get the knack of singing together in harmony. Nor could we agree on the words. Was it, I get hot? Was it, I get high? Or was it, I can't hide? So... Our sixth-grade Beatles wannabe band broke up after just a short while, and we never even got to experience the thrill of screaming girl groupies running after us to snatch a clump of our hair. Oh well, that's how the cookie crumbles, my friends. And as to the fate of that defective, malfunctioning, totally unplayable 45 RPM record, that particular disc somehow stayed in my collection for years and years. Perhaps as a reminder to me that the grass isn't always greener in a bigger shopping mall. But it also left me with a moral for the story. If you can't sing like the Beatles, well, maybe you can skip like the Beatles. <laughs> I'm Tom Nielsen, and you've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. See you next time. <laughs>